Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. In the squadron, they called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hello. Um, hmm, I'm glad I'm not that guy, and I wish him the best. There's a big story over in Turkey. There's an American guy uh, trapped in a cave in the middle of a mountain. He's uh, It's 3,000 feet deep. Uh, deep or long, some American guy is trapped in there, and the Turks, the Turkish authorities, are trying to get him out. Well, thank you very much, Turkey. We wish that guy the best. He's, I don't know what he was doing over there, some sort of researcher. Is his name Mark Dickey? Mark Dickey is trapped. He went in that great big, uh, yeah, there's a desperate rescue mission underway. Ooh, looking at the reporter from CNN from Dubai. Wow. Uh, <laughs> No, not that guy. She was just on a second ago. Okay. Uh, well, we wish him the best. It reminds me of a couple of things. Remember the Chilean miners who were stuck all the way down there? Remember? It's a long time ago, but that we remember? They rescued all those guys in that special machine that was so cool. They had so much space down there. They weren't trapped in a little hole. They were trapped, but it was like the size of uh, Yankee Stadium, this, this area. One guy exercised while he was down there. He actually went running. He he could actually go jogging while he was trapped. This reminds me more of that guy in Arizona. There was a guy in Arizona who was trapped very deep in a hole, and he went hiking by himself. It was a movie. James Franco played it, and what the guy did to get out of that hole, because he was going to die down there. Nobody knew. He made the cardinal mistake of hikers. Didn't tell anybody uh, where he was going and when he was supposed to be back. So... Uh Oh, I know. He cut his arm off, right? He got it wedged between the rocks, and he amputated his own arm to get out of that hole. I don't know. <laughs> I think I just might have made peace with my maker and uh called it a lifetime, right? I mean, I, I that that is, whew, I don't know. I don't know what I would have done. I would not know how to cut off my own arm, right? How do you cut off your own arm? What kind of equipment did this guy? Anyway. We wish this guy the best. He's stuck. Yeah, Turkish rescuers race to save American trapped in the cave. Researcher Mark Dickey suffered gastrointestinal bleeding during the mission. I don't know what that has to do with anything. He's got bigger problems now. Um. All right, good luck to him. In the meantime, our city is being destroyed. Now, it's okay if I say that because it's true, all right? But when Mayor Adams says it, you know, he's got other responsibilities, but he doesn't know how to do the job. He doesn't know anything about management. He doesn't know anything about leadership. And here he is having a full-blown panic attack. Cut 14. This issue will destroy New York City. Destroy New York City. We're getting 10,000 migrants a month. Now we're getting people from all over the globe have made their minds up that they're going to come through the southern part of the border and come into New York City. Yeah, that's your problem. What are you going to do about it? He's like complaining, right? You're the mayor of New York. 
You got the resource. You got a lot of things to play with, to use. Do it. Fix it. Did you get on the phone with Governor Abbott? Have you worked something out about not having them sent to New York? You know, they got to get to New York. What are you doing? You're an amateur. This is what he can do, though. This is what he's always done. All right? It's just a bigger stage now. When he was a lieutenant in the NYPD, he would protest the NYPD with Al Sharpton outside of uh, police headquarters, outside of City Hall. A little bit later, when he was Bronx, uh, Brooklyn Borough President, no authority whatsoever, he'd get on the steps of uh, Brooklyn Borough Hall and yell and scream and complain and put out press releases. Now he's got real power. He has no idea how to use it. Cut 14. Cut 14. This issue will destroy New York City. Destroy New York City. All right. Well, and now, 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 cut 15. Started with a madman down in Texas, decided he wanted to bust people up to New York City. 110,000 migrants. We have to feed, clothe, house, educate the t- children, wash their laundry sheets, Give them everything they need, health care. And this team here, we stated, let's do everything possible before we have to push it out into neighborhoods and communities. Stop! Why the hell are you doing all that stuff? You've incentivized them. And calling the governor of Texas a madman, maybe if you got on the phone and worked with them. And, oh, by the way, maybe if you did not advertise that uh, New York, in your view, is a sanctuary city. we got to take care of everybody, right? You said it. You brought this on yourself, you incompetent fool. What are you going to do about it? He doesn't have any answers. He, but I tell you what, though, he was dressed in all white, actually a cream pants, cream-colored pants, and a beautiful white shirt. He looks great, but he doesn't have <laughs> This is it. This is all he's got. One more. Cut 16. Never in my life. Have I had a problem that I did not see an ending to? I don't see an ending to this. You know, put this next to Rudy Giuliani. Think about Rudy Giuliani talking to the city in the 1990s, um, 9-11, you know, an official saying that a problem can't be fixed, right? We're paying him money, right? He gets money. You know what my city taxes, they're no joke. They are no freaking joke, city taxes. And this is what we get. Man, I, um, all right. We got to do some polling and make sure that Turk Curtis can take this guy out. All right. Can he take him out? If not, I may have to get in after all. All right. Love Curtis. I just want him to win. And if he can't do it, well, maybe, maybe. Maybe. Uh, it's very, very low chance. Very low chance at this point. Curtis is out there every day yelling and screaming. And you got to do that when you're running for mayor. You got to, you know, you got to garner attention. And, but this is, I am really taken aback. I really, you know, he just, this tells me he has nobody good around him advising him. You know, there, there's nobody strong. There's nobody smart. Well, I know one guy, but I don't know how much he talks to him. Because this is what you'd heard right there. That's, that's, that's unacceptable for the New York City mayor to be, you know, saying the city is not, I mean, yes, it is, but fix it. Put that energy into fixing it, putting them on the buses, not incentivizing them to come. 
not undermining the police as you did for your entire so-called career. That's on you. That's on you. I knew it, and you guys know this. I knew it before um, 80,000 people elected him mayor. He only got like 80,000 votes in the primary, the last day of school, in June of 2021. Right? City of 8 million people. How many people actually showed up and voted? Very few people. Ranked choice voting? Good luck explaining that to anybody. And this guy gets in. This. Uh, it's... Um, it really is kind of a night. That's a bad dream. Bad dream. Uh, it's going to have a happy end. I don't know. I don't want to think about it for the time being. I got in my hands uh, what the fake news says is the hottest book in the land. It's called The Last Politician Inside Joe Biden's White House and the Struggle for America's Future by Franklin Four. F-O-E-R. Franklin Four. Let's find out about Franklin. Franklin is a staff writer at The Atlantic and the author of a uh, couple of books for seven years. He edited the new Republic, very liberal. Um, and he was on meet the press. He's been on the today show. He's been on MSNBC. He's on this morning show, that nighttime show, that weekend show. He's all over the place. The New York times, everybody's embracing this book. And why are they embracing it? Because let's see here. He interviewed hundreds of Biden officials, hundreds, uh, uh, unprecedented access to the Biden administration, right? That kind of stuff. So, uh, I'm expecting big things. And I open the book, and I turn to page one, and I start reading. And I get about 20 seconds in, and I see my first mistake. Black and white mistake. I mean, I'm now you could say I'm nitpicking, but this is an indicator, right? It's the first page of the book. Joe Biden believed that fate. A word strewn across his monologues sometimes required him to travel the ugly path to success. At every station in his adult life, joy marched in lockstep with trauma. And when the image in his head transposed itself into reality on January 20th, 2022, it seemed entirely fitting that the inauguration, which he had so long desired, deviated so wildly from his expectations and was stalked by death. Did you notice anything in that? What'd you notice? Did you notice anything? All right. First of all, it's overwritten. All right. The guy's trying to show off, right? Deviated so wildly from his expectations and was stalked by death. Did you notice anything? January 20th, 2022. Uh, he missed inauguration day by a year. Joe Biden became the president and <laughs> a January 20th, 2021. Now you could say, Oh, that's just a typo. It's on the first page of the hottest book in the land from one of the biggest publishers in the land. What the hell is wrong with people? Smoking dope. They have editors. They have copy editors. They've got public. they got all these people. And the manuscript goes to 85 different people. And nobody caught this. So kind of uh, got me very suspicious. On page one, well, what's coming next? And the whole damn book is full of this crap. All right. And where he does make an interesting observation, he doesn't reach the right conclusion. Okay. He, he just misses everything, everything, every step of the way. He misses it. Uh, let's see here. January 6th, right wing paramilitaries battered them with flagpoles and purloined police shields and a violent. All right. Right-wing paramilitaries. Right-wing paramilitaries. You know Antifa was there? 
Antifa was there. There were anarchists there from the left as well, right? This is supposed to be a history book, but you know what? He's just a fake news snob. Uh, let's see here. Through the winter, it sheltered at home, worried that it might die by inhaling the particles. Even if the public had been permitted to pass through the checkpoints surrounding the city center, it wouldn't have come. Through the winter, it sheltered at home, the public, worried that it might die by inhaling particles of disease wafting in the air. Uh, were you, um, does that apply to everybody in the public? Sheltered at home, worried that you might die by inhaling particles of disease wafting in the air. Speak for yourself, buddy. Some of us knew that we were taken for a ride by Fauci and the rest. Um, I can't believe what a pompous snob this guy is. So he's talking about how he's, uh, this is the, and I'm only in the introduction, right? <laughs> this is the introduction. He writes about how, um, well, I first pondered this book in the summer of 2020 when it seemed likely that Joe Biden might become president. Really? What told you that? All those appearances in the basement? How about when he told Charlemagne the God that he ain't black if he did, if he voted for Trump? Is that what gave you the real confidence, right? Or your friends in the, in the system telling you that Joe Biden's going to win? Don't worry about it. Yeah, we got it all worked out. Anyway, he's like, should I start this book? Should I not start this book? Each time I pondered stopping my project, it felt like a premature terminus. A premature terminus. <laughs> it felt like too soon? Is that what you're trying to say? Anyway, there are some goodies in this book. I actually enjoy it somehow, finding all this lunacy in the hottest book that everybody's trying to brag about. Yo, yes, I read this book. and it's very... Number one, they don't read it. They don't read it like I read it, right? You don't hear anybody talking about that. <laughs> and the Putin phone call, though. The Putin phone call. Putin wants to talk to Joe as soon as he becomes president. And everybody's like, this is not standard. Why is why is Putin calling? What what could be the agenda? <laughs> what, 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 well, why don't we wait and have him wait six weeks? Let's put him in his place. Nope. Joe insists on taking the call right away. Right away. And I figured it out. That's why. That's why Putin thought he could invade Ukraine and did invade Ukraine. He's... Snap! He sensed it right in that phone call. This author is blind. I can see it. I'll have it when I come back. And uh, hey, what else? Where is Curtis? By the way, we got to find out about. Oh, he is. All right, good. I got to talk to him. I'll be right back. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This issue will destroy New York City. Destroy New York City. We're getting 10,000 migrants a month. Now we're getting people from all over the globe have made their minds up that they're going to come through the southern part of the border and come into New York City. So, remember, he's the one who uh, said, Sanctuary City, please come. We have a duty to... We have a duty to accept you, to bathe you, to clothe you, all this stuff, right? It was just some of the crap you say to get elected. 
And he said it even after he was elected. Um, there are so many things that could be done that he's not doing that he doesn't know how to do. And how about that? Panicky, panicky, panicky. Yeah. And you know, it's leadership. You're sem- <laughs> that's not a good way to talk as a leader, right? <clears throat> he's so emphatic about it. Why? Because it does not instill confidence. I mean, there's something. Now, some people are saying, Oh, well, wait, no, he's speaking the truth. He's speaking the truth. But he, don't you see? First of all, he manufactured this problem. Now he's complaining about a problem that he manufactured. And he's nowhere closer to actually fixing it. And I think with the kind of hysterics that he's engaged in, you have the mayor of New York saying that, fix it, fix it. There is a way. You know, you're talking about a billion dollars. How about getting some buses and bringing them somewhere else? You know, you screwed it up. You you don't have any in with the Biden administration anymore. You don't. That's your fault. That's on you. Hey, they are really ripping Biden right now on CNN. Uh, something like, what is this? 76% don't think he has the capacity to do the job. This is CNN, right? They've been out defending this guy, uh, trying to create this legend of Joe Biden that somehow, uh, you know, Uncle Joe and people love him and he's the empathizer in chief and all that crap. And now they hit him with this poll. Goes back to, uh, my prediction from, I think actually it's almost a year old, maybe a little bit more than a year, that there's no way Joe Biden is going to be the uh, the candidate that the Democrats nominate. There's no – it's impossible. I got two guys up here on CNN right now. Even after the bad poll, they'll say, nope, it's Joe Biden. It's going to be Joe because he's the one who can beat Donald Trump. He's beat him before. <coughs> you sure about that? <laughs> I know Joe Biden's the president. That's final. Uh, but – I still have concerns about the fairness of that election. And I have concerns about what they're going to do in um, the next time around. Right now, they're trying to shut Donald Trump up. They don't want him talking about the upcoming trial. You can't talk about that prosecutor. In the end, Trump is always right. It really is amazing. You know, he calls this guy deranged Jack Smith. He's crazy. He's out of his head. He's saying, he, I know he's used the word deranged. I know he said crazy, out of control. And why is he saying all these things? Well, number one, this guy should not be an independent uh, prosecutor because he's not independent. Uh, he works for the government already. You need to be outside the government. They overlooked that. Um, oh, wait, I'm sorry. I was wrong about that. He was at The Hague, te- technically not working for the government. But he's supposed to have a reputation for fairness and impartiality, which he clearly doesn't have because his wife does movies with Michelle Obama. Anyway. I remembered yesterday. Who remembers Eric Schneiderman, the attorney general of New York State, a few years back? Uh, remember what happened to him? I asked somebody, yeah, whatever happened to that guy? Well, he had to resign because he was dating women and beating them up. He'd go out on a first date and then beat up a woman. He'd uh, try to make out with a woman. If the woman said, no, I'm not in the mood, he'd slap her across the face. It's all in the New York Times. So Donald Trump, years before the public found that out, was like, this guy's sick. And you watch, he's going down. He was right then. I think he's right about Jack Smith, too. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. <sighs> Went to a bar last night. Big mistake, actually. Uh, not a mistake. I mean, I went. You got to go out every now and then and look around and see what's going on. And, uh, I, I never really liked hanging around bars. There was one. No, I don't like hanging around bars. I'm number one. I don't drink. Number two, did I ever really like hanging around a bar? Only quite frankly, if I was pursuing, uh, oh, romance. All right. That, that was the only reason for me to be in a bar. Uh, apart from that, I don't really, you know, it's boring. Uh, the music is too loud. Uh, very nice people. I wouldn't say the name of the bar, but they brought us into the basement because there was a group of us. The ba- And it smelled like a basement. And they were like, it's so cool down here. Okay, it's got that going for it, but smells funny. Was that a mouse? Was that? Our- I mean, it was just, I don't know, a little bit. There was popcorn. It was very tasty. People were playing beer pong. I'm sitting there, whatever. Uh, it's fine. You got to do that from time to time. Anyway, the music is so loud. Why do they play music so loud everywhere? Everybody has every song ever made access to any moment in their life. When you go, the thing you don't have access to are the people you're talking to after work, right? You don't necessarily get to talk to them at work or as much as you like or about stuff that you can talk about after work. And anyway, uh, so uh, the music was too much. I left after about 15 minutes. I picked up the check though. Uh, that was kind of a classy move. I guess it's not a classy thing for me to brag about it, but uh, nobody noticed. I haven't gotten one thank you. I haven't gotten one thank you. There were like 20 people there. Not one person is like, uh, anyway, the day is young. We'll see what happens. Um, And on the way out, I walk about a half a block, and there's this skinny short guy, Right? And we're walking not on the open sidewalk, but you know when they have scaffolding and you know they have like those, it's almost like a wooden tunnel, like a little kind of pedestrian way when there's a lot of construction, right? You know those things? I'm walking and there's this skinny short guy who looked a little rough. He looked um, unwashed. He looked, um, I don't know. I really didn't notice him. Until he walked right toward me. I mean, even in those passageways, you stay on the right or you stay on the left, or at least you stay in a path where you don't have any oncoming pedestrian traffic, a person. This guy walks right to me in a very aggressive way. And I made a face like, and I stopped I'm like, hello. You know, I just made a, and I stood my ground. But I could tell he wanted me to be scared. You know what I mean? He came came really close. I would say realistically about eight inches. Gives me a look and then peels off. Then makes his then makes his turn. Now what I wanted to do was push him. I really wanted to push him. Who the hell comes that close to anybody, right? What was he? What was on his mind? And he's looking right at me with an aggression, maybe even a hatred. And I don't think he recognized me from TV or anything like that. He just wanted me to be intimidated. And I, I, am, I must say I really wasn't because he was short. If he were a little bit taller and a bit more muscular, maybe, I, yeah, I would have. But pushing him would have been a big mistake. Number one, he didn't physically do anything to me. And a guy that small probably has a gun. 
or a knife if he's messing with somebody like me. You know, there are a lot of guns out there. You know when Ewick goes around bragging about how many guns they confiscated, right? Well, it's 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 easier than ever to find the guns because they feel emboldened. They feel like they can carry guns, right? Because stop and frisk has been so radically scaled back. Um. Anyway, that happened on the way out of the uh, bar. What time of night was it? It was like ten o'clock, ten thirty, something like that. Maybe a little bit. Uh, I have no. I, there's no reason for me to be out there, and uh, I won't do it anytime soon. And that happens. Uh, that that's happened during the day as well, but. It hasn't, I mean, that, that, it did get my attention. Uh, however, look, my problems are nothing compared to that lady up there in Harlem. The one who was pushed down by the guy and beaten up. Cut seven, please. Cut seven. He really started cursing at me and then, and he pushed me and he hit me with his cane. He knocked me down. He with took his cane or your his cane? His cane. I didn't have no cane. I'm a walker. Okay. He beat me with my walker too. I didn't notice the walker. But anyway, because I saw I saw footage of her early. All right, what is the status? What is the status? Bronx man accused of beating sixty year old woman with cane at Manhattan subway station. All right, I heard that they let him go. Let's go through this. Okay, good. A Bronx man is in custody. Is in custody after being accused of repeatedly hitting a sixty year old woman with a cane on a subway platform in an assault that was captured on video circulated on social media. Uh, happened on the two and three platform. You know, the, you know the rest. 43-year-old Norton Blake accused of beating the woman with a cane, causing swelling and pain. Blake was arrested Wednesday morning and charged with assault. Is he already out of jail? Is he in custody or out of custody? That doesn't take long for these guys to be let go. It's incredible. The guy who menaced somebody with a machete in a CVS was arrested, charged, and released. You know, <laughs> Eric should be a little bit more focused on that, right? I don't you think it doesn't matter. He's 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 out to lunch. You know what we need is an emergency takeover of the city, perhaps. Maybe we need an effective governor, Lee Zeldin. You know what he would have done? He would have fired that uh, that Alvin Bragg, and he would have fired, fired, or at least suspended Eric Adams. You know, the governor has that authority. Remember when Cuomo? Hey, will I fire? De Blasio, would I not fire De Blasio? I may think about it. I may not think about it. Uh, he, I wish he had done it because apparently the governor has that authority and he did not pull the trigger. What a shame. What a shame. All right. Hey, Tony Blinken is the wimp secretary of state. And uh, I mean, he is a wimp, right? Listen to this. Here he is in Ukraine promising them more money, more this, more that, and just not instilling what a secretary of state should be instilling. You know, you got to instill a little bit of, uh, what's the word? Fear. Fear in our adversaries and even in our allies, just a little bit. I get the opposite with that. I get somebody, uh, I don't know, it's like he's trying to impress his grandmother. Go ahead with that, please. Tony Blinken. For Ukraine, not only to survive, but to thrive, we're also supporting its efforts to rebuild from Russia's aggression. Uh, At the Ukraine Recovery Conference held in London a few months ago, I pledged that the United States would invest more than $520 million in making Ukraine's energy infrastructure, more than half of which has been destroyed by Russia, cleaner, more resilient, and more integrated with Europe. We're making new investments to enhance the transparency of Ukraine's institutions and to bolster the rule of law so that Ukraine's democracy is even more responsive to the needs of its people and 
can attract the private capital needed to rebuild. Stop. What's up with the uh, everything is a bit of a question? Everything that's a declarative statement kind of sounds like a question. Why does he do it that way? Because he's a wimp. And he doesn't know how to wield real power. And what the hell are we trying to do? Uh, how is money? How does money make a corrupt government not corrupt? It makes it more corrupt. They all want to steal the money. You can't, you can't make, you can't do this from the outside. Why is all this money slushing around? Why? Why? All right. I get it. You got to buy the weapons. Okay. I kind of get it because I'm, and I'm also kind of getting a little sick of it, to be honest. Green energy. He's talking about green energy, renewables, solar panels. Give me a break. Don't we have more pressing, urgent things to worry about? $560 million for windmills. You got Russia, you know, there's a war going on. Forget about the windmills. Just get this thing over with. How about peace? How about a little peace? Anyway, in that book I was telling you about earlier, Vladimir Putin calls up Joe Biden for no apparent reason. And Joe lays down the law. Joe says this, that, and the other thing, right? And uh, after the phone call, they're still kind of like, they're puzzled. Why, Why did Vladimir Putin call? Well, I know what they, why he called to, to test Joe, to see what he, to see how much was there or not there. The strength, the weakness. And that's one of the reasons why he decided to invade Ukraine. He didn't do it under Trump. He did it under Biden and he did it under Obama, but he didn't do it under Trump. Isn't that kind of, isn't that, isn't that fascinating? I think it's very fascinating. Anyway, oh, the guy, the secretary of state. When he was deputy secretary of state under Obama, the number two official in a pretty big department, the state department, you know what he did? He dropped everything on his schedule to meet with Hunter Biden, who wanted to have coffee. Hunter Biden, then the vice president's son, emails the deputy secretary of state to see if he had time for coffee just to catch up. At this point, he's working for Burisma. He's working with the Chinese. He's working with the Ukrainians. He's working with the uh the Kazakhs, the Kazakhstan people, uh, he's got stuff going on in Romania. He's all over the place. Um, and, of course, <laughs> I got the email. He actually says, of course, name the time, and they have a coffee. And apparently it's about grandchildren and crap like that. No, no, no. It's about business. That, very suspicious. You know, these amateurs who come and go through our government, Tony Blinken has been around for a year and a half, two and a half years, whatever it's been so far. You know how long Lavrov, who's Lavrov? Lavrov is the Russian foreign minister. All right, he's the secretary of state of Russia. He's been there since the year 2000. How many secretaries of state have we had since the year 2000? It's a revolving door. It's a totally revolving door. Let me think about this now. We had uh, Madeleine Albright, um, Colin Powell, uh, Condoleezza Rice, John Kerry, Hillary Clinton, I'm up to five now. Um, there is somebody else that I'm missing. Under Trump, we had, remember that Exxon executive, that weirdo from Texas? Trump's going to be much better next time around. And Mike Pompeo. Who was the one after? Maybe seven. Seven versus one. You know, they, they sit there and you, you come and go, you know, we, you, you, they know nothing. Very hard to get up to. Like, they're running circles around our people. You can do the same thing in China, by the way. Same thing with China and our leaders. How many presidents have we had in 23 years? 
right? I mean, who's been there? Uh, Putin's been in Russia since, I believe, 99 or 2000. We've had uh, Clinton in 2000, Bush. Why the hell is this so hard? <laughs> Obama, Trump, and Biden. Five to one. Five to one. Do the same thing in China. How long has she? She's had two in the past 20 years. She and who? President who and then President Xi. Um, we really, we're not good at this. We're just not good at it anymore. And I'm not, I know we have terms and I know we have elections and I love the, we have to have that. And we have to have citizen statesmen. I would like to see, and this is a night, this is, a, I'm serious about this. I would like to see it expanded to, um, Number one, get rid of term limits for presidents, actually. If these members of Congress can stick around forever, Ronald Reagan would have been great in his third term. Well, maybe. Uh, or maybe a six-year term in office. That's been, that's been considered. Four years, there's no, there's not enough time. You get in there, most presidents culture shock for the first year and a half, and then it's time to run for re-election. In the first year and a half, the, the Congress takes pride in screwing up and sabotaging everything you want to do, and then it's time to run for re-election. Six years, you get at least a little bit of breathing room. All right. Hey, was, was, was Trump on the show this morning? We're talking about Rudy? I think he was, and that's good news. Let's see here. I saw that, uh, uh, well, first, let's go. Yeah, here we go. Cut 13, please. Cut 13. I want to be nice on your show. So I will <laughs> not say the election was rigged on your show because I want you to have a job. No, no, you can say it. No, no, you can say okay, it. Okay. Well, then the election was rigged. It was a rigged election. <laughs> and it was rigged like nobody. And you got to give Rudy credit. I'll tell you what, Rudy, he, he goes through hell because he says that he knows. I mean, he gets. He got it back. He had the laptop before everybody. You know, Rudy was what? And Rudy's a friend of yours. Rudy was way ahead of the whole thing. He was two years, three years ahead of all this stuff that's coming out now. He doesn't get enough credit, I'll tell you. Number one, he was the greatest mayor in the history of New York. What he did to New York, he turned it around. It was in shape like it is now, unfortunately. (laughs) And when I see that, I was there not long ago. It was very sad, very sad. When I walk, when I go through that, those streets, I get driven down the streets. And I'll tell you, I look at the scene of new york and it looks like bangladesh (laughs) it's not not a good situation it's it's so sad but rudy gets a lot of credit for he was able to call it early and they give him no credit of course you know they don't give him any credit i'm i'm one of the people that understand it and give him credit well he sticks by his friends and remember rudy giuliani freedom fund rudy giuliani freedom fund.com I'm going to the website right now, and uh, if you want to donate, and I'm going to read from it. It's actually pretty good here. The deep state is on a mission to take down every single one of Donald J. Trump's closest allies. Among their top targets is Rudy Giuliani, who was repeatedly censored for trying to expose the truth about the Biden family's corruption ahead of the 2020 election. But Rudy's loyalty to President Trump and the truth has come with a hefty price. The FBI not only spied on Rudy's private communications with President Trump during the first impeachment trial, but even hounded him in a dawn raid on his apartment. As Alan Dershowitz wisely pointed out, in banana republics in many parts of the world, when a candidate loses for president, they go after the candidate, they go after his lawyers, they go after his friends. That's happening now in America. They're going after Rudy Giuliani. President Trump governed by a motto to drain the swamp and put the American people first. Now the swamp is revolting by placing a bullseye 
on the backs of every Trump loyalist who had the guts to challenge the deep state. That puts Rudy at the top of their list. Rudy's fate will determine if America's if America still is a republic governed by we the people or if the swamp has finally amassed total control of our great country. That's why Rudy urgently needs your help as he battles for his freedom and justice. And don't forget, if the deep state can do this to a former president's confidant who did nothing wrong, then one day they could do it to you. Amen and bravo. Rudy Giuliani, freedomfund.com. Check it out. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Have you seen how this Pennsylvania prisoner got out of the jail? You see what he did? That's pretty wild. All right, it was a fairly narrow corridor, but not that narrow. And he put his hands on one side and his feet on the other and basically levitated almost. He, like, walked up. All right, picture that. You know, it's a small... I don't know, maybe it's six feet, five feet, five, four and a half feet. He puts his hands on one wall and his feet on the other. And horizontally, he just climbs up kind of like Spider-Man style. And, uh, and he gets into a little shaft there. And then you see, I think it's his feet. He ju- he disappears. He goes up and you can't see where he goes. But then there's a window on the other side and you see you see some feet come down. So I think that's him. He goes to the roof and then he jumps down. His name is uh Daniel Cavello. Is that it? Daniel Cavello, he's a convicted murderer, so we don't like him. Uh, no, I'm sorry, Daniello Cavalcante. Daniello Cavalcante. Now, um, we want him caught. He's a danger. He's a menace, I assume. Or maybe he just wants to, uh, you know, avoid, maybe he just wants freedom or whatever. I, I want him caught. But you know what? It's a fascinating thing, right? And like a two percent, one percent, a half of one percent, you know, it's like you're fascinated by it. You know, like, look, if you watch any movie about a prison breakout, and there's some great ones, Shawshank Redemption, although he was innocent, um, Escape from Alcatraz, you, you, you're you rooting for Clint Eastwood. You're rooting for those guys to actually, and those guys were bad guys, too. I don't know what it is, but we got to get this guy caught. All right, uh, Tim, hello. Hey, Greg, how you doing? Fine. Uh, so I was talking to my girlfriend's dad about all these guys who get released after committing violent crimes, and he seems to think that the jails are too full. Is that the total BS? Your you- girlfriend's father. Why do you seek him out for these kinds of questions? What is what is his what is his expertise? There isn't. We just talk about it. Like, hey, do you see that guy who hacked someone with a machete and then he's released? He's like, oh yeah. Well, I don't think they have. Room in the jails. No, that's not true. It's not, it, that's not what's going on here. Hey, jails are always, you know, jails are terrible places. Um, no, they're not at capacity. They're letting them go because of the crazy bail reform. And now judges cannot actually look at what's called dangerousness. The dangerousness of the accused, they could factor in. Not only bail is for a couple of reasons. It's to make sure you show up at court, right? But there's also the danger factor that judges were allowed to kind of consider. And now they can't consider it. And now that there's no, it, it, so it's not a jail thing. It's a bad law thing. What does your uh, girlfriend's br- father do? I'd never really kind of wanted to hang around my girlfriend's parents. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, I understand that. But I mean, uh, I think I think he does. Some, he's like a CFO somewhere. I don't. I don't all right. Well, that. you ought to get married if you're going to hang with him and talk about this stuff. 
right? I'm sure right. he'd feel better about it, right? What are you waiting for? How long right. did you date the girl? Uh, seven years now. Oh, I'm surprised he's talking to you. Do the right thing and get married, Tim, okay? Okay. All right. <laughs> I'm sure I'll be back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You heard of Osama bin Laden. May he rot in hell. But uh, what about Khalid Sheikh Mohammed? Khalid Sheikh Mohammed was the operations master of the whole damn thing, the whole 9-11 attack. This guy was basically uh, running the project uh, from Afghanistan and Pakistan, just um, coordinating and recruiting the hijackers, all that stuff, uh, assigning them uh, the logistics of it all. Khalid Sheikh Mohammed was the guy, and he had... He had help from uh, Ramzi bin al-Sheib, Amar al-Balaki, uh, Mustafa al-Hasawai, and Walid bin Atash. Those guys. Now, all five of them right now are in Guantanamo Bay, and it's been 20 years. They have not been, um, well, they're still kind of in limbo, and they're thinking about having a trial. Now, this is interesting. The 9-11 families, a lot of them, a lot of them, like hundreds of them, um, they don't want a plea deal. They're, 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 the government was looking at a plea deal for these guys. Life in prison without the possibility of parole, obviously, and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, and it's not because, well, we want the death penalty. Not necessarily some want the death penalty. I think the death penalty is totally appropriate for these guys. But it's not necessarily they want a trial so he can be um, put to death. I mean, that's that may or may not be on the table, according to... Um, it's up to the judge, I guess. But what they really want is a trial because they want these people cross-examined. They want to find out what they know. They want to find out what the Saudi government did. The Saudi government, uh, well, there are a lot of unanswered questions. And I talked to one a couple of weeks ago. Uh, um, oh gosh, forgive me. I will follow up on his name. But he lost his father, Bruce, in the attacks. And he said that uh, the Saudis had agents in America um, you know, working closely with these guys, government agents from Saudi Arabia. Now, Saudi Arabia is actually an ally of ours, a big time ally. Uh, there are questions that haven't been answered. There are documents that have not been turned over by the Saudis. And uh, people want to know. I want to know. And a plea arrangement would preclude a trial. And that's the best place where we can get some answers, probably. Right. One of them. I mean, the diplomacy hasn't worked so far. So it looks like the plea agreement has actually been canceled. It was in the works. And this is good news for these families. Let's see here. President Biden has rejected a list of proposed conditions sought by the five men who are accused of conspiring in the September 11, 2001 terrorist attacks in exchange for pleading guilty and receiving a maximum punishment of life in prison, according to two administration officials. Now, it looks like, though, it's not because it, it blew up because the uh, the government the government doesn't really seem to want a trial. It blew up because here from the Times the case has been bogged down in pretrial proceedings. All right, in talks with prosecutors, defense lawyers said that Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, the accused mastermind, and four other defendants uh, wanted certain accommodations, including assurances that they would not serve their sentences in solitary confinement and could instead continue to eat and pray communally as they do now as detainees at Guantanamo Bay. In other words, they don't want to go to Supermax. 
Supermax in uh, Florence, Colorado. Uh, the prisoners also sought a civilian-run program to treat sleep disorders, brain injuries, gastrointestinal damage, or other health problems they attribute to the agency's, this is the New York Times writing this, brutal interrogation methods during their three to four years in CIA custody before their transfer to Guantanamo Bay. So there was a disagreement about this stuff. It's not like the prosecutors suddenly want a trial, and I think that's what the a lot of the 9-11 families want, a trial. And now that I've looked at it a little bit, so do I. Going back to that silly book about Joe Biden, the last politician inside Joe Biden's White House and the struggle for America's future, it's a real kiss-ass book for Joe Biden. And whatever criticism, when it, wherever it's critical, you know, you have to squint, you have to kind of read between the lines, and I guess that might be vaguely critical. You can tell. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes you actually can judge a book by its cover. And what we have here is a um, – hey, hold on a second. Let me come back to Bill Bennett. What we have here is Joe Biden wearing sunglasses, right, those aviator sunglasses that he likes to wear, right, on the cover of the book. Um, they went out of their way to get a uh, – a very nice picture. All right. I was distracted for a moment by Bill Bennett is on TV. Secretary of Education under Ronald Reagan, Bill Bennett. Remember him? Does anybody remember him? Bill Bennett? Now, the thing that kind of gets me about this guy a little bit, a little bit. He wrote a book called The Book of Virtues. And he's like, society is going to hell and... uh which it was at the time, and, you know, the book is fine, but there was something a little bit over the top, the book of virtue. You know, what is, what, what, what is he, St. Paul, the book of virtue? The book, I mean, it was a little much. And I remember I was watching TV, and uh, I think my brother said, who the hell made this guy Pope? <laughs> I just thought that was a pretty good line. And not long after, and it wasn't the worst thing in the world, and he's not a terrible guy, he's a very bright guy, and I like his ideas, but... You write a book called The Book of Virtue, you got to have your act together, I think. And uh, what was he doing? He was going to the casino eight hours a day playing slot machines. Eight hours a day gambling. Now, gambling is not a virtue, right? Um, I hate gambling, by the way. That's something else I used to do, but kicked. I didn't have a problem, a real problem, but whenever I was in a casino, fortunately, it wasn't that often. I found it very hard to walk away, even when I won. I was many thousands of dollars up once playing blackjack. Many thousands of dollars. And I'm like, I'm going to stop when I get to 30. This is in 1993. I will, As soon as I get to 30,000, I will stop. At this point, I was about $14,000 up. I started with 100. I left negative 300. But that... Don't ever do it. Don't ever do it. I was traumatized by that. I was so, I be, I feel, oh, I, I couldn't see, I, I lost it in moments. Well, I'll just, I, it just all went away so fast. Uh, I remember I walked away from the table at first and I called my friends. Back then you had a, like the payphone. I'm up $8,000. And I remember my friend said, get the hell out of there, Kelly. I'm, I, I, no, I'm going to a little bit more, a little bit more. And then they want to put casinos all over the place. I hope they don't put casinos on uh, in Times Square. That looks like it's a fait accompli. I can't stand gambling. It's things very bad. I think the um, the jobs aren't all that either. You know, bartenders and dealers and stuff like that. Nothing wrong with being a bartender, but the I, I, I just think it's a vice. It's a vice, and we shouldn't do it. Right, Joel? What do you think? 
<laughs> well, it's rigged, just like the election. That's for sure. The House always um, wins, right? <laughs> I, got a note, I got a note here that you're in Israel for real. That's true. We we spoke um, a long time ago. A long time ago, you called. Uh, yeah. Ah, where in Israel are you? Well, I want to don't want to fully disclose my location, but uh, I'm up in the north near the Sea of Galilee. The truth will set us free. And I encourage everybody to uh, visit that beautiful, holy spot uh, at some point in their uh, life journey. Love it. Uh, uh, what's up? So, you know, I, I was very patient six months ago. I already knew about uh, the bribery scam um, with Victor Shokin. And as more and more Americans still learn about that every day. Um, there were a couple things I was hoping you guys could research and, and maybe put on the news. One is um, to, to get a little into cognitive dissonance theory and why people just can't, you know, differentiate between the fact and, uh, you know, delusion. And the other thing is um, the financial fraud behind this that has really been enriched the Chinese military. Um, there were over 250 Chinese companies deregistered. Uh, it's an easy search if people just type in China SEC deregistered, and uh, it's it's 50 or billion dollars or more. And the media hasn't covered that yet. Um, and I think there's a connection between that and uh, the uh, Guangxi and the payments to the uh, Biden family. Well, uh, you're a person. You know all about this stuff. Why don't you do it? I have done it. <laughs> well, put it on a website. Put it on a website. I mean, uh, first of all, I can't do a term paper on cognitive dissonance. I'm not going to do that. I can't do that. I can. I, can I say the website on air? What website? Your website? Okay. My yeah, my website is yeah, www. First of all, you don't have to say www anymore. All right, just say the website. Don't say www though. All right, say the website. I promise. I promise. I promise. The China Hustle US. The China Hustle US. So yeah. you've already done some work on this. Oh yeah. The other thing I did is I documented this on the uh, Arkansas court case with all right, Biden. All right. and yeah, very complicated. No, wait. Uh, wait. The Arkansas court, court case. You mean the uh, the baby mama situation? Exactly. Exactly. All people need to do is go to Arkansas Court Connect, type in Biden, scroll back to December. Right, stop. You got to simplify this stuff. You ever hear of GoDaddy.com? Very, very catchy, you know, addresses. Just, you gotta simplify it. I, what is, and I gotta scroll back. What is the, where's the place we get your Arkansas information? Which, of course, I have to vet and make sure it's all legit and all that stuff. Uh, although we all know that Hunter, at this point, they've acknowledged, had that baby and wouldn't, he wouldn't acknowledge the baby for so many years. So many years. Put that family through misery. What a bum. Hunter and his old man, the president, bums. Um, all right. So uh, uh, what the hell were we talking about? Oh, the Arkansas website. Yeah. What is it? Okay. First of all, it's uh, the website is Arkansas Court Connect. And the filing is around December of 2019. And what's, while the FBI in, uh, was what's in that? For the pandemic. It, the filing has about 20 or 30 worthless court judgments against Chinese CEOs. Um, amounting to billions of dollars of unpaid court judgments. It has the uh, affidavit of Victor Shokin from four years ago. Um, and, and at that point, I didn't have as many data points, but I was... Well, I mean, the affidavit, I don't have to go to the Arkansas website to get the affidavit of Victor Shokin. Of course not. I mean, I don't, I mean, all right. So what are you talking about with these 250 Chinese militaries deregistering? What does that mean, deregistering? Okay. There were... Um, 
companies trading on the NASDAQ with a combined market cap of over $50 billion, they were all committing fabricated accounting. And so they, they were deregistered. That means that all the investors, all the United States investors were lost their money and the uh, Chinese CEOs were enriched. And many of those Chinese CEOs were connected to the military and the Chinese Communist Party. And that is what has not really come out in the news yet. So these people who invested for some reason in Chinese military contractors, Americans registered, I'm sorry, Americans invested, bought stock in Chinese military contractors? Some of them were military. Some of them were like green stocks. Like that's what I I invested in, solar panels and clean coal. In China? well, what they did, Greg, is they got listings in the United States. Oh, and they and did a little uh, a little trickery. Nobody knew what they were investing in. Is that it? Exactly. Yeah. Well, the assets were were in China, but the the, the accounting was um, not really vetted, or they bribed the accountants. All right, bring this home. So, How does it relate to the Bidens? I have a sense I know, but go ahead. Well, Hannity mentioned it last night that there were so many complaints to the SEC. Don't mention my was- that guy's name on this show. Sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Greg Kelly. I'm only kidding. All right, Joel. I've given you enough time. You got the websites. Thank you very much. Um, who I am curious. Who, who was the guest that Hannity had on? Um, Just say it. He, oh, oh, he had on James Comer and Jim. Uh, James James Comer. Yeah. All right. Uh, I had Comer on my, anyway, I don't like, I, I, that's, that's another part. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Goodbye. Yeah, Yeah. Take it easy. Um, there's a lot of information there. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Um, hey, what's he doing in Israel? Uh, that's okay. Israel's in a magnificent place, and we all should see the Sea of Galilee, right? Uh, I've been there once. I was at the, from the, from the southern, uh, portion of the country, though. All right. Man, there was a lot there, but good for him. He's a very, uh, you know, kind of an eager beaver when it comes to this stuff. And, um, look, some people, they say, well, there's no smoking gun evidence. You know, we convict a lot of people on a lot less evidence, all right? There's never a smoking gun. There's never a smoking gun. And by the way, the gun, you find the smoking gun, well, the smoke dissipates. The smoke actually dissipates. You can still convict people. It's actually suspicious that Joe Biden has not got, they've not traced any money to Joe Biden, but they traced the money to Haley Biden, to Nikki Biden, to James Biden, to Sarah Biden, to Nancy Biden, to Finnegan Biden, or the grandchildren, the girlfriends, the exes, the presents. Uh, and, but Joe is the only one who didn't get money. That's incriminating. That I might even say is smoking gun. Be right back. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I, I see another reporter online who wrote one of those books. This is Carol Lenig. Uh, she wrote a book about the Secret Service called Zero Fail. It's a really good name for a book, Zero Fail, the inside story of the Secret Service. And I open it up just like I opened this other book up by uh, Franklin Four, the new book on Biden. And what did I see? Big fat mistakes all over the place, weirdo mistakes. I, it was just off the top of my head. I wasn't being obnoxious and Googling everything. In one, she says, uh, it was like, I can't remember. Oh, yeah. A man had to show up at work in Washington, D.C. at 7 in the morning. So he drove all night from his home in St. Louis. He drove 10,000 miles to Washington, D.C. from his home in St. Louis. Huh? It'd be 3,000 miles if he was coming from California. What are you talking about? Stuff, weirdo mistakes like that. 
I also happen to be a John F. Kennedy, a uh, kind of an assassination buff. I have my theories. I, I, I read the Warren Commission. I've read, uh, I don't know, a lot of, lot of material about the assassination. And she said the Warren Commission met in some townhouse on Capitol Hill. Well, it didn't meet in the townhouse. It met at the Veteran of Foreign Wars uh, office complex. Like weird stuff like that. And this is a major book from a major publisher. And they get mistakes all the time. Um, here's one in the new Franklin Four thing where the guy might just be onto something. I already told you about the weirdo mistakes. Um, so they take a call from Putin and what they ordinarily would have done is make Putin wait a couple of weeks before he could speak to the president, but they put him through basically a couple of days after inauguration, right? Because they want to, they want to pay him some respect. So, um, they uh, they start like this. Four days later, Biden and the Russian leader had the Russian leader on the line. He began with an existential piece of business. In less than two weeks, an arms control deal, the New START treaty would expire. Biden told Putin that he didn't want that to happen. Whatever their differences, they needed to safeguard the planet from an old menace, nuclear Armageddon. Having dispensed with the easy part of the conversation, Biden pivoted to the source of the tension. I want to be direct with you. And then he summarizes how the Russians launched a cyber attack in the previous months against uh, corporate software, corporate uh, computer systems. And Biden tells him, in a month's time, I will get a report from the intelligence community. If the evidence against Russia is compelling, punishment will be forthcoming. And I just think that's so weak. In a month. You might be in trouble in a month. But they couldn't figure out why he called. There was always the sense that Putin was poking and prodding, searching for a weakness that he could exploit in service of some sinister plan kept out of view. No token of respect could avert that. So I think Putin got the best of Joe Biden, realized he was a weakling, and then invaded Ukraine. Greg Kelly. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, so uh, Tucker Carlson had this big interview with a guy named Larry Sinclair. Uh, I watched it all, it was like 45 minutes long. You know, it's interesting to watch an interview conducted by Tucker, uh, who's kind of driven and motivated, I think, by a, a curiosity and a search for the truth. You know, so many other anchors out there, it's all gotcha. You know, they all want to set somebody up and, and try to embarrass them or try to make themselves look smart. It's interesting to watch somebody ask questions that they don't know the answer to. You know, I mean, Chuck Todd is always like, you know, apparently the answer he knows in his head. And if you don't say what he wants you to say, he interrupts. He says this. He says that. Anyway, Larry Sinclair, who is that? Well, he's a guy who's been kind of on the periphery for a long time. Uh, I kind of remember him making noise in 2006, 2007. Bottom line is this. He's some guy who claimed that he had sex with Barack Obama in 1999 and did drugs with him on two occasions. All right. So now what difference does that make? You could say, right? What difference does it make? Well, number one, the drug use, you'd have to say is uh, I would say that's a factor. I would say that's I would say that's relevant, right? Cocaine in 1999 while he's a state senator. Yeah, I think that's uh all right, that's worthy of inquiry. Um now, what about having sex with uh, uh Barack Obama? 
Well, you could argue, well, that's his own private business. And uh, you could also argue, well, by the way, that this guy's a total liar, right? You could argue that, although I watched the interview. I don't think he's lying, although I don't know if it's the truth. He could possibly be mistaken. It could be somebody else. But, he, you know, that's that's a real possibility. And one thing he's two things he said that gave me a little bit of pause. Number one, he had a limo driver like, you know, he rented a limousine for a night and he remembered the limo driver's name from 1999. Now, that didn't quite make sense. Why did he know the name of the limo driver? And the other thing he said, <laughs> so the guy, he, he gets into his limo and he's like, hey, driver, uh, I'm looking to have a good time, if you know what I mean. And that was code for I'm looking for drugs and some fun with gay men. Right. So he takes him. I know just the place for you. And he takes him to this bar and Barack Obama's in the bar and they gets in the limo and they drive off and um, Barack gets out and buys drugs for 250 bucks that this guy gives him. Now, here's another part that gets a little bit fishy, although overall, I think he's telling the truth. I'm just not sure if it's Barack Obama. Right. It could be somebody else. So um, and does any any of you guys know anything about cocaine? You do. All right, good. Um, so he says it surprised him because he the, the cocaine, Barack Obama gets the cocaine and gives some to the guy and he takes some for himself. Now, the guy, Larry Sinclair, snorts it and he noticed Barack Obama smoked it. Now, Rich, the cocaine man, the ex-cocaine man, knows something about cocaine. You said, I know cocaine. Can you smoke the ordinary powder cocaine would you just put that in a pipe my understanding is you smoke crack cocaine you don't smoke regular cocaine that you can snort yeah. am i right what that, i have no idea well why'd you nod your head I when no i asked about the cocaine smoke it like that what oh you know about snorting not smoking now he's getting all evasive and weird that's all right that's all right i probably i think you I should hear your... the question i'm sorry what's the question all right <laughs> can you take regular cocaine that you snort and smoke it instead no, not as far as I know. Right, exactly, right? I was like, that I, That didn't make sense to me. You smoke crack, but this guy was saying, so that was puzzling. But everything else, you know, and he said that they had, you know, sexual contact or whatever. And and there's a lot, there's more to the story. And a, a, an associate of Barack Obama gets in touch with this guy. And then he gets in touch with the campaign. And then and, you know, lots of things happen. You got to watch the interview and you can evaluate it for yourself. But I will say this, if it's, uh, well, look. Jennifer Flowers and Bill Clinton had an affair. That was major news in 1992. Remember? That's relevant. When you're running for president, everything's everything's an open book, right? It's an open book. It doesn't mean necessarily that you can't be president, but I think we should know everything about you. Actually, I actually don't think we should know everything about you, but that's the way the world is right now. So where does that leave us? Hello, James Flippin. Hey, what's up, Greg? I, I heard you guys talking about the cocaine thing i thought that the term freebasing cocaine referred to when you smoke it but you need all kinds of equipment and stuff like that that you gotta like you know you gotta i don't know burn it and the residue or whatever and you oh, smoke okay. you the can't just, like put it in a pipe or whatever i think you've got to have you got to do something to the cocaine but so you can smoke it but i don't i will say this honestly i've never touched cocaine in part because len bias died and they told us at the time that he died of a cocaine allergy and i thought if you take one snort of cocaine you could die Mm -hmm. it's probably not true maybe it is for some i have a feeling i take uh a diet soda my you know my heart starts rate anyway 
So what about the cocaine? You think that's freebasing? I don't think that's freebasing. What's his name? Uh, Richard, Richard Pryor. Pryor. Richard Pryor. It blew up in his face, right? All right, forget that. What did you think of the interview? And tell me about the well, fallout. I mean, so I remember watching an interview with this guy. I think he did with Dinesh D'Souza, like five, six, seven years ago or something like that. And so these allegations were not really brand new to me, the story that this guy told of having been with, you know, allegedly Barack Obama that night or whatever. And um, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to ever really parse, like, you know, the, the veracity of what somebody's saying about something that happened 20 years ago or whatever, you know, people's personal interactions, a night hanging out or something like that. I think that from a news perspective, it definitely would be worth looking into if, in fact, this guy who, you know, purports to be a married family man and then he's out, you know, carousing and doing drugs and doing this stuff that obviously is different from kind of the life he leads publicly. Then, you know, uh, beyond just the fantastical nature of that. Yeah, there's probably something newsworthy to look into there. Mm. But um, I don't know. I really can't tell if the guy comes off as credible or whatever um you know there's been a lot of people uh, you know you read the news reports about it they they like to throw in that word since debunked when they talk about this guy oh it's um, been debunked who debunked it how i, I don't know that i didn't get to but i do see that he apparently has a long rap sheet if that means anything to you he acknowledged it in the tucker interview he acknowledged he's been to jail he was really very open and you know just i don't know there's something about him that seemed very credible the big thing is could he be could he re- be mistaken yeah and so this happens in 99 and five years later yeah five years later he's living in mexico and he still lives in mexico and out comes barack obama at the dnc convention in boston he's like that's the guy from chicago and i know what you mean about okay little things like at one point he said yeah i went to chicago because my godson was graduating from the naval academy and i'm like wait a second the naval academy is chicago no but uh there's a big Navy base in Chicago right. where uh, entry level um, sailors go. And so he just, you know, muffed the term. Okay. It doesn't really. Anyway, I think it's probably true. What difference does it make? You can have that debate. Uh, I mean, I guess it, he doesn't really have much to gain at this point coming out and say, like, what's he looking to gain at this point? I will say this. The media gave Obama a great big fat pass on everything in 2008, 2007. I mean, it was unbelievable just uh, how anointed, how easy it was for him. And I am just so bitterly, quite frankly, disappointed in him. Uh, he didn't do what he said he was going to do. And that is, quite frankly, have an open and honest and real conversation about black fathers and too many of them MIA, too many of them AWOL, and talk about things at the time. Quite frankly, if you were, you know... Not a person of color you couldn't touch, and you needed somebody like Barack Obama to do it. He didn't do it, so I'm doing it, quite frankly. And if that guy, instead of rapping, and you know where he was? He was at the U.S. Open. He's at the U.S. Open. Get your ass to Maui. You're a billionaire. You've got access to every powerful person in the world, and you're watching some dopey tennis match. You've been given everything everything and look at you just squander it look at it. it's all for you and your family and your friends oh boy i sound really nasty right now <laughs> all right uh what else i will i will tell you just kind of thinking back on 2008 when barack obama was elected president i had just graduated from college and uh i was talking to my dad and i said you know what dad i really feel as though because he wasn't happy with the result of the election and i said i really think this is going to help you know advance racial harmony in this country. And he kind of 
you know, said, I hope so. But I could tell he didn't think that that was the case. And um, I think it's, you know, fair to ask what was the result in that respect. You know, for a little while, you could actually feel it in the air. There was, uh, there was, there was a little bit more racial harmony. It lasted for about six weeks. Um, like patriotism after 9 I don't know. No, it's more like, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, to be very, very, uh, general and blunt, I think a lot of, and never mind. I don't want to get down that rabbit hole, but race relations have now disintegrated. What about Maui? You think that there's not enough being done still? I mean, what, what's the latest there? It's, it's hard what to even figure out. Latest what? With, with Hawaii, you were talking about that more should be done. Yeah. Hey, uh, by the way, what is the death toll? No one's talked about the, de- what the hell is the death toll now? I, the only number I ever heard was a hundred and then like 400 were missing. And now everybody's done. Everyone's moved on. 115. Yeah. What the hell is the death toll for real? What is the death toll? There's total devastation in his home state, and he's screwing around at the U.S. Open. This is a guy, man, he should, you know, he thought he did dedicated his life to public service. He dedicated it to himself. Selfish egomaniac. And that was the only message. He only turned on the charm for himself. He only broke a sweat for himself. Nobody else. Didn't lift a damn finger for anybody. And, you know, we have black children killing black children. And he addressed it. He talked about it for about eight seconds. And then Jesse Jackson threatened him. Jesse Jackson said, you're talking down to black people. If you keep it up, I'm going to cut off your testicles. He actually said that. You can look it up. He said it out loud. And Obama did it one other time in his presidency. The left hated it. Did you know that in certain communities... It's considered bad if you're a black person to be caught reading a book because that's acting white, and the last thing you want to do is act white. I never heard that before. Who did I hear it from? Barack Obama in the 2004 convention that made everybody fall in love with him. He said, that's got to be eradicated, that stigma. Has anybody eradicated it? Has anybody even addressed it? Has anybody even dared repeat it? I have a feeling, no. I know no. And now uh, it's still there. Has that, has that evaporated? No, I mean, there was a thing a couple of years ago, I think it was the Smithsonian or something like that, that came out with some uh, official guidelines. I, I don't know if it was for education or something like that, but they said that actually punctuality is a white concept. Oh, yeah, let, I saw those articles. Everything is racist, including showing up on time. Uh, ice cream is racist. I mean, I really? Google it. Okay. Ice cream is racist. And with that, I got to go to Eddie because... We were talking about cocaine. Maybe you can set us uh, straight on this cocaine stuff. Yes, Greg. We were uh, upstate in the Adirondacks, hiking Mount Marcy, and in a lean-to, and these what, these three guys show up, and they said, we don't have a tent. We have no place to stay, and it was a long hike out. So we said, okay, and you know, they're telling stories and all, and they, they whip out this weed and these rolling papers. And wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. What were you doing up there? Were you camping, or did you have a log cabin or something? Uh, no, we got a cabin upstate. You now, had a cabin we were, upstate. We yeah. And what? three strangers show up with drugs. Well, it was a, you know, it was a hiking trail, uh, up to Mount Marcy. And you have lean tos along the way that you can stay. Well, they didn't just show up with drugs. They were, you know, they pulled them out later. They were going to do them. Funny, one guy's name was Peaches. I said, why do you call him Peaches? He said, well, he just got out of jail. I said, I don't want to know anymore. <laughs> hey, was this in, uh, when did those guys escape from jail? Matt Sweat and David, uh, Matt, David Rich. 
No, David Sweat and Matt Rich. Oh, upstate? I don't know. Wasn't those guys. No, it was I right in the same area, that. right in the same region. And they both spent, they, they were escapees from jail. All right, probably not the same guys, but very, very, you know, very, ooh, certainly evokes that. All right, sorry, keep going. What happened? You don't know if you're ever safe, you know, hiking these days. Uh, so they took cocaine and they sprinkled it on their weed and rolled it up and they said it gave them a calming feeling when they smoked it. You know, I, I, I was managing a GNC in Huntington, a general nutrition center, so, you know, like a health food at that point. Uh, looked at him and I go, no, you, you can enjoy. Just, uh, I would have asked him to leave my campsite. I would have asked him to leave my campsite. Please smoke your drugs elsewhere. We're in nature. You're bringing cocaine. The story. That's where it was going. Yeah. No, I get it. So you can smoke the cocaine. You're saying, right? Trying to be healthy. You're hiking. You know. I don't. (laughs) I'll smoke the cocaine instead of snorting it. Hey, when you go to GNC, I noticed that they stopped pushing that ten percent off on Tuesday thing. Remember that? They always were pushing you to join the get the membership and stuff like that, and you had a little card. Remember that? Yes, and they're also pushing the sunflower seeds and something called chewable vitamin C, acerola. And I'm looking at the order sheet, and I noticed that it's listed under candy. There was so much sugar in that, Greg, and people thought it was the best thing for them. No, I knew it was. I, they would often put it right there at the at the counter. And oh, you, absolutely. And you, you could take, you, well, you could take it for free. Top. They were samples, and they were so fruity. It was like eating Starburst. I knew it wasn't good for you. Uh, Eddie, fascinating stuff. Thank you. Oh, we'll be right back with the beloved Barbara and Sandra. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. If you have to go to trial, will you testify in your own defense? Oh, yes, absolutely. You'll take the stand. That I I look forward to, because that's just like Russia, Russia, Russia. That's all the fake information from Russia, Russia, Russia. Remember when the dossier came out and everyone said, oh, that's so terrible, that's so terrible. And then it turned out to be it was a political report put out by Hillary Clinton and the DNC. They paid millions for it. They gave it to Christopher Steele. They paid millions and millions of dollars for it, and it was all fake. No, I think that obstruction charge is going to get the trial, Mr. President. I I think that. Okay, if you do, and they ask you on on the stand, did you order anyone to move boxes? How will you answer? I'm not answering that question for you, but I'm totally covered under the law. Okay. You read the Presidential Records Act. Just read it. You take a look at it. I'm totally covered under the law. It's a civil act. It's civil. Now, Biden had no civil act. The things he did are criminal, but he doesn't have a deranged person on his case. All right. Good for him. Uh, I love it. I love it. Real quick on the ice cream. Oh, hey, Greg. Yeah. So basically what happened there was, you know, the song Turkey in the Straw. I don't know if you know. What about Good Humor came out and said that that song is racist. So they actually worked with RZA from the Wu-Tang Clan of Staten Island to come up with a new jingle that would kind of get away from those Turkey in the Straw roots. I was only kidding. I don't know what turkey in the straw is. But uh, you, well, just, you just did it. The, 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 that, that little jingle that the ice cream trucks Oh, my play. God. That's insane. But Good Humor says we haven't owned any trucks since the 70s, but as an industry leader, they want to be part of the solution. That's why nobody talks about Good Humor anymore. They got rid of the trucks. Right? I mean, yeah. Nobody, I, nobody, I think of them as more as like in a bodega and like an ice cream chest or something right. like that. Uh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Very you got much. it. Uh, Ted, you've been on hold for a long time. I do want to get to you. What's up? Yeah, I want to talk about 
you know, this story that the Saudi uh, royal family had something to do with 9-11. Well, we didn't say the royal family. I didn't say the royal family. Well, the real the real rulers of Saudi are the royal family. I didn't say anything about the royal family. Now, there's the Saudi uh, government is kind of is complex. And you've got like the you got the religious branch and then you've got the secular branch. All right. And, uh, you know, it's like our government. All right. It's not all run by the president. You got a deep state. You got their own mini deep state. So I didn't say that, Ted. I didn't say anything about the uh, the royal family. But this, you know, for the sake of our relationship with the Saudi royal family, people have got to, like, stop this. Oh, okay? people got to stop what? People got to stop what? Asking questions about September 11th and what the hell really happened? Huh? I mean, I want to know everything about it. No, by the way, I do believe that those 19 hijackers uh, took over those planes, commandeered those planes, and flew them into those buildings. I'm not saying, and I'm not saying our government did it. I don't believe that. But, but how did they do it? And who did they have help from? And who knew ahead of time? Those are questions I want to know the answers to. And if you don't think anybody in Saudi Arabia may know a little bit more than you, Ted, you're crazy. Thank you. Uh, let's go to Barbara. No, Barbara, you hold. Uh, we got to go to Sandra first. Sorry. Hello? Yes. Hi, I'll go real quick. Um, on Independence Day, we went to Philadelphia, took a bus tour on that double-decker bus, and I remember seeing the um, the, sta- the the Eastern State Penitent, you know, the uh, the penitentiary, and it left such an impression. It was so huge, very big, and and Philadelphia is a very liberal sanctuary city. So if Abbott can send us people here, I wish maybe Eric Adams can clean out that penitentiary. It doesn't cost as much as we pay to take care of all these people, and maybe send people there to live. Eric Adams can't clean up his own apartment. He's going to clean up a jail in another state. Not going to happen, Sandra, but anyway, uh, thank you. Barbara in Huntington. Hello, Barbara. Hello, Greg. Hi. Um, a couple weeks ago, you m- mentioned on your show that things that we can all do to help with our country, and one of those was to learn the Constitution. And Thomas Jefferson said, we in America do not have government by the majority. We have government by the majority who participate." So if people will take the time to learn more about their Constitution, that will help us all to defend our liberties. And we have in September, September 17th, Constitution Day. And that's a great day to get into the Constitution. I love what you just said. Thank you much. And thank you, Carlos.